Tyler. Mm, yeah. Do you want a Rubik's Cube movie? Not even in the slightest. Yeah, me neither. But we're getting one? Yeah, you know, I can understand, like, you know, these movies like The Queen's Gambit, Gambit about chess and stuff like that. Chess? But I, I don't... I don't follow the logic as to why anyone would need a Rubik's Cube movie. Yeah. Unless it's maybe one of those, like, kind of businessy ones where it's like, how did it get made or something, but... Even then, I don't think that that would uh, be captivating enough for me to want to see it. No, me neither. This year, they're also doing a game show, which I could see that. That makes sense. But a game yeah. show, like, like I think, like a competition type show. I think. Again, like I mean, they have these Rubik's cube solving competitions. There's like videos all over YouTube. I don't think they garner enough entertainment or viewage that someone would want to. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That one just, I just, all of this, it's like this definitely leads back to the whole Hollywood is out of ideas, plain yeah. and simple. Yeah, I think so too, because it's like, what? Yeah, I. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really have a whole lot else to say about this. I like it to me. It seems like a stupid thing to be dumping money into in terms yeah. of movies or television entertainment. But I mean, to each their own. Yeah, I mean, if you want to dump money into this, go right ahead. But I'm probably not going to watch it. No, I definitely won't be. But uh, in other interesting news of stuff that like I kind of still would watch is Roku apparently just acquired all of Quibi's library. Yes. And I actually like some of those Quibi shows, so the problem is, is like, you need a fucking Roku, and I would argue that out of all of the uh, streaming devices that you could purchase right now, Roku's probably the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, too. I mean, well, it depends what you, I guess, what the use case is. You know, I bet our use cases are different than the average person. Yeah, I'm sure they are too. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, Roku, like, just it half the time it doesn't even have, like, the apps you need. There's no ability to sideload anything on it. Like, I didn't, yeah. like, I had a Roku for a while before I uh, switched over to a Fire, Fire TV stick 4K. And uh, it was it was awful. The the UI was awful. It didn't offer like I think when I first got it, like I could get Netflix and Prime, but they don't have a Crave app. Oh really? Yeah, it was just disastrous. Yeah, I've never used one, and I don't know. Since it says here they're gonna do it on their like Roku has like a streaming channel that's free and ad supported, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can get that anywhere else. That's just. Roku specific? Yeah, as far as I know, it's Roku specific. You need a Roku device for it. So, yeah. I mean, it's good that someone picked up these shows, but... Yeah, like, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that these shows aren't, like, dead, because bringing back uh, Reno 911 was a huge plus in my books. Yeah. And I think, like, some of those shows definitely have potential. And reading this article... So they picked up the existing licenses, and uh, it says after two years, those licenses have the opportunity to like recut from the short form to like full length, and then after seven years, the rates go back to the creators. So like, I'm curious if they keep that short, like runtime, or if when the two year mark hits, they're like, okay, we're gonna make these actual shows. I feel like some of them they could like there's ones that I, I like the ones the Adam Divine ones those were I feel like best served in that short form same with yeah. the Kevin Hart ones but like Reno 911 should be a long form show yeah and like The Fugitive like I watched that and like that should be like a 45 minute like TV show right mm -hmm. so it's yeah I'd be curious what happens 
this like a year from now, right? Because Movie was what, like a year old when it shattered? Not even? Yeah, if that. So, another year and then they can make hour-long stuff out of it. And hopefully they do. Hopefully it's not Roku-exclusive stuff. Yeah, I'd be curious though, if they you know, cut some deals to have it on other places or whatever, but I just want more Reno 911. Yeah, fair enough. I never watched that one, so Oh, so good. So fucking good. I mean, I'm glad these got picked up. I don't know that I'm glad it went to Roku, but... No, I definitely would have... I would have preferred to have seen them go to Netflix or Prime, personally, but... Yeah. Okay. At least, like, it's good that, you know, the people that were making those shows, like, they still have a place to make it, so... Mm -hmm. Good for them. Yes, yes. And then HBO acquired a uh, limited series about a kind of murder investigation. I actually watched this trailer last night. Yeah? Yes, and uh, it caught me because it was like I didn't even, it wasn't even through our Discord. It was like it popped up on like one of my feeds and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. And then I was slightly bummed out that the whole thing is subtitled and I thought it was going to be a documentary style, but it's done like an actual show yeah so a little little disappointed on both of those fronts but i mean it still looks like it's could be promising yeah like the the premise behind like the murder is like this news reporter goes onto a submarine and then the submarine was found sunken so it's like uh, there's there's a story there right oh yeah for sure so it's just a bizarre case all around yeah, no kidding. So it's yeah, like I'll I'll probably check it out because interesting enough kind of tagline. Get mm -hmm. me in. I mean, it looks like February first is when it comes out, so fairly soon. Yeah, not in the not too distant future here. Yeah, and then it looks like we have our main villain for. Uh, Dexter revival. Yeah, Clancy Brown. Mm-hmm. Who looks familiar, but I can't place him. Uh, you'll probably know his voice. And a lot of voice work. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think. He was in Shawshank. Was he? he? Was, yeah, he was the bad guy. Also in... He's done some voice work for Rick and Morty. I heard his voice there. Who does he uh, do with Rick and Morty? Um, uh, looks like two times. I don't know. Well, I mean, either way, he looks familiar. I just couldn't couldn't quite place him. Yeah, and he was just in The Crown, too. Yeah, and I don't watch that show, so. Oh, Billions. I don't remember him in Billions. He's, uh... Oh, the... Uh, the boss. Uh, the federal boss. Of, uh... Why can't I think of the character's name or the actor's name? Paul Giamatti. Yes, his boss. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's probably where I'm picking him out from. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll make a good... antagonist, I guess, for Dexter to probably inevitably kill yeah i'm just excited for an for another thing of dexter and like hopefully they do it better than they did that fucking series finale there yeah and there's like there's even a quote in here where uh the director is like literally says he says let's be real like people found the way the show ended pretty unsatisfying so we're trying to fix that yeah, yeah. Un i think under unsatisfying is an understatement yeah that ending was horseshit and mm -hmm. they should fix it so yeah, if they if they do it right, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to wait and see how that one pans out. Yeah, and then in like the never-ending fucking information that's coming out of the DC universe and the Snyder Cut and like all that shit, it seems like Ray Fisher's kind of losing his fucking mind. Yeah, 
Like he's he's officially written out of the Flash movie. And then I was reading that uh, other people were like commenting that Ray Fisher isn't in the Flash. And then he went on a Twitter spree and was like, "Oh, just so you know, like I didn't step down. I'm still Cyborg. I haven't recused my uh, my role as Cyborg." And it's like. Uh, except you were in the flash and now you're not. So like, I don't know how you want to take this yeah. and then decides he's over Twitter is going to take a hard stance that he's refusing to do any more DC movies until the head of DC's like filming universe steps down because he's blaming that guy for the way Joss Whedon treated people. But like when that whole thing was going on, this guy wasn't even like the sitting president. He came in after the fact. Like it's just a massive clusterfuck. And the more I read, the more I read his tweets, the more I'm like, man, you're just you're burning all the bridges that you have in Hollywood right now. Yeah, and like I've never really kept up with all this. Yeah, Walt, Walter Hamada. So basically, like, when all the bad shit was going on, because, like, Ray made a complaint that Joss Whedon was treating people unfairly and it wasn't right and it was unprofessional and stuff. Right. Someone else was the DC Films president. And then after all of that filming concluded, that guy got replaced by this dude, Walter Hamada, took over the role in 2018. And then that's kind of like shortly after is when Ray Fisher like filed the complaint they did an investigation and said, you know, they were dealing with it, but that wasn't good enough for Ray. And then Ray's now blaming Walter Amada, who wasn't even the president at the time and is now like, I'm not doing any more cyborg roles until Walter Hamada steps down from president of DC films. And it's like, he's just like gunning for this guy hard and calling him an enabler for allowing all this stuff to happen. But he wasn't in that position when all this stuff was happening. Like, that's the whole, like, weird, ironic part of this. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a super fucking messy situation. Especially, especially too, because, like, like, there's no, like, official, like, announcements around any of this. So it's, like, this weird thing of, like, someone heard that he got written out and it was, like, but I don't think WB has confirmed it, and then all the stuff he's saying, and it's like, what the fuck is actual story, I guess, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just, you got so many fucking different versions coming from, like, six different ways, so it's like, fuck, I don't know. Oh, and, like, I'm I'm trying to, like, so, like, it, <laughs> so you should always stand up for any sort of, like, wrongdoing or abuse, like, if, yeah. if you, like, I don't know what's going on there, and, like, the investigation that Warner Brothers did into this matter, like, it's not, it's not in the public domain, so we don't know what they found, we don't know, like, exactly what happened to this Ray Fisher guy, but, like, I, I, it's like, I, I understand him <clears throat> maybe feeling like not enough was done, and I get that, but at the same time, to, like, refuse to play, uh, character until a president sits down a president that had absolutely no bearing no effect and had nothing to do with like the complaints that you filed against someone seems a little ridiculous and like just looking through his uh his imdb like that's pretty much all he's done yeah well he came from theater background i believe is that where he came from yeah because as far as like tv and movies goes like nothing a short movie he had a very short stint in something called the astronauts wives club which is a tv show and then it was cyborg i guess he did he did do true detective as oh, henry yeah. hayes yep he was really good in that actually but that's it like that's all he's done like so i mean like it's one of those things where i, I get it like stand up for what's right but at the yeah. same time like he doesn't have the kind of uh I don't know power and pull that some of these other bigger celebrities with like a longer rap sheet yeah. be able to and I mean it, I guess it comes down to his morals if he's like you know what if I'm just I understand this could ruin my acting career and I'm fine with never acting again then that's that's fine but yeah yeah pretty much like yeah yeah it seems real real messy so. very very messy and it's unfortunate because I, I liked him as Cyborg. Yeah. 
yeah, he was he was all right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So it seems like maybe I know that Snyder Cut will be the last time we see him as cyborg. Maybe. Yeah. I but don't like, know. He's he, his remove. He's removed from the Flash film, like because this bleeds into like the next stories. So like, I wonder if they're gonna try and recast at some point. Or if they're just going to go no cyborg. Yeah, and like, I don't know how big of a part he had. He didn't. He had a cameo, apparently. Okay. From what I'm seeing, is he, there was a cyborg cameo in the Flash movie, and it's just been written out. Okay. And upon further reading, it says there's currently no plans to recast the role as of yeah. right now, anyway. Yeah. And this is. Like, I this isn't coming from the studio either, right? So. Yeah, it's. Yeah. That was a clusterfuck is what it is. Yeah, especially because it's like. It, it's, it, it's all speculation, right? So it's like, you know. It, yeah, it's fucking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll just have to. Keep our eyes on the Twitter to see how this continues to play out. Yeah, I guess. Eh? But yeah. Fuck. And then The Walking Dead is uh, going to have a comedy spinoff? Yeah, I don't quite follow that. Yeah. I. That's like, not what I think of when I think of The Walking Dead. No, and like they're toting it as that maybe this comedy spinoff could save the franchise because I mean their viewership has been substantially dropping like year over year. Yeah, I stopped watching that show. I can't remember how many seasons back, but and it, it's it's weird because it's not like the show wasn't good. Like it was a really good show for a really long time, and then it got to a point like for me. Or they never resolved anything. Like, they just stretched storylines and plots for, like, three seasons. And it was like, okay, when are you going to resolve this? So, like, this, quit fucking le leading this into other stuff, right? Yeah, I, I gave up right before uh, Negan came into right. play. Yeah, and I think I watched season or two seasons after that. And then got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to keep watching if you're just not going to resolve anything and keep kind of... But, I mean, that show was good at one point. It was real good. It was, and what made the show so good, in, in my personal opinion, was like, the the drama. Like, the, serious, mm -hmm. the seriousness and, like, the dark undertones. Like, you know, it was by all accounts, like, this is bad news bears, what's happening around the world. This is a fight sur for survival. Like, there's nothing lighthearted about it. But they did, you know, take moments to, like, throughout the show, like, make little jokes here and there to kind of lighten the mood, which yeah. I feel like would be indicative of how people would go about it in the real world, right? Like, you're yeah, in a bad much. situation, sometimes crack jokes. But to do an entire comedy spinoff, like, that just, I don't, it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, and I bet... Like, I bet if you ask the people that watched The Walking Dead and their complaints with it, I like, I don't think they would say a comedy spinoff is what they want, you know, to get them back into that. Yeah, I've, if, they, if they fucking came to me and was like, hey, you used to be a big Walking Dead fan, you'd watch it every night when it aired. Yeah. Like, what would bring you, would, like, do you think if we did another Walking Dead, like another spinoff, but it was com comedic based, like, would that pique your interest and i'd be like no no like it's get back to the original roots of that show um, yes like finish your story arcs wrap yeah. up your storylines on a regular basis like yeah don't drag like matt I, like you said like where they drag stuff on like there's so many times where like you know one single thing would drag over three or four episodes and it was just it was boring for lack of a better term yeah and it's like it's one thing to have like a few kind of ones that stretch out over you know the show you know that's fine but like your core kind of narratives that you need to resolve like they just seems like they never did it 
No. You know, and then when they did do it, it wasn't satisfying enough because you waited like two and a half seasons and like a bunch of mid-season breaks. So it was like two years later and you're like, that wasn't fucking satisfying at all. Yeah, you the know? payoff just wasn't worth it in the end. Yeah, and like I remember when um, I stopped watching was when they wrote Rick out of the show because he was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, they wrote him out and they kind of played that into they're going to do a movie with him. Uh, kind of like how he left the show, and I was like, okay, I'll check that out. But, yeah. Yeah, my other biggest gripe with this show, and it's the same gripe I have with several episodes of Game of Thrones, is I don't... I I don't understand the logic behind some of these cinematographers where they're like, we're gonna shoot this episode in complete fucking darkness. Yeah, pretty much. Like, there were several episodes of The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones where it was just so fucking black, you couldn't see anything. Yeah, you couldn't see shit. So it was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm specifically remembering the one one episode, like, prior to Negan when they're all living in the prison. And it was like a zombie gets through the prison. And, like, that whole episode was shot so dark. And, like, it's not like I have a cheap TV. Yeah. Like, I have a nice OLED TV. And, like, even with, like, the brightness on my TV fucking cranked way up and all the lights in the house off and no, like, light coming through windows and shit, like, it was still incredibly difficult to see what was going on. And it's just, like, I don't... Yeah. Why would you do that? Like, that doesn't... It's not, like, some kind of cool effect. Like, to me, it just makes me think of, like, hipsters and their fucking stupid, like, 30 layers of Instagram filters. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, like this looks so bad and so stupid, but it's hip and it's cool and I'm going to do it because that makes me edgy. And it's like, as a cinematographer, like, no, this doesn't make this fucking episode any more artistic. This isn't showing an artistic side. It's not improving anything. You're not going in a unique direction and people aren't going to praise you for this. It's hard to watch and I won't watch it. I won't watch that shit because I can't. can't it's fucking like, see. I literally can't see shit. Like, I, I can't see what you're trying to show me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. Three yeah. decisions, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think this is what saves The Walking Dead. I I think they're beyond fucking saving at this point. Like, they didn't have set or any um, success with Fear the Walking Dead either, so it's like... Yeah. Like, you need a reboot of the writers. You need to get some real fucking, some, like, talented, dramatic, and suspenseful writers on that show. Yeah. Or maybe like, that was the problem, like, because I don't, you know, most of the time you kind of follow and track, like, actors and if they're staying on the show, if they're leaving the show, that kind of stuff. But you don't really, it's not commonplace for people who are fans of the entertainment industry to be like, oh, this fucking writer that you've never really heard of, he's leaving the show. So, like, I, I wonder if that's kind of what resulted in the show being bad. Like after a few seasons, some writers decided they wanted to move on to other projects and they replaced them and they just didn't have the feel. Yeah, that could be it. I, like, I think how you get people back into the walking dead is like, I mean, the main stuff is wrapping up, right? Yeah. So it's like, I think you need to get back to the, the roots of what people liked. The Walking Dead for like get get a good core cast that people like, give them some good story arcs, put them through hell in this zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, like I haven't watched *You're the Walking Dead*, so maybe that's you know quietly very good, and I just haven't checked it out. But I did, I think, the first season, and it was promising, and then after that, it went downhill pretty quick. I think. Okay. Thank so, yeah. you. I don't know, like, I'll I'll check out that movie that they're doing with him, but... Is that still a go? Yeah, yeah, apparently it's... Yeah, as far as I know. So it's... Right, Maybe then. that's how you fix The Walking Dead? Maybe you start doing movies or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They gotta think of something. Yeah. I mean, it went from being, like, one of arguably the most popular shows on television to, like... Oh, it was. Everyone was wa- watching it. Yeah, and I don't know anybody that still watches it. I honestly kind of like, I forget sometimes. It's like, oh, that show's still on? Yeah. 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 Well, 
In other TV news that I am excited for, a Lords of Dogtown TV series. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. I'm excited for it too. I did not realize until reading this article that there is such a thing as IMDb TV. Yes. So it's a, was that that like another fucking streaming service? No, it's a it's a it's a fork of Amazon, right? Because Amazon owns IMDb, and it's like they're free ad supported. Gotcha. So like. There's Prime, which you pay for, and then, like, Amazon is also like, oh, yo, we have IMDb TV, which is free, but we're going to toss ads at your face, so. So if I'm a Prime member, can I watch IMDb TV without ads? I have no idea. Maybe. I have to look into that. Maybe? I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is super cool. Mm-hmm. I fucking love skateboarding, so, like, give me any sort of content around it. And I'm totally down. Yeah, I think this has a lot of potential. And I liked the, you know, the old <clears throat> Lords of Dogtown documentary when they made that Lords of Dogtown and the Z Boys, that film years back. Yeah. Like they were all really good because yeah. a lot of people tend to forget like where skateboarding and skateboarding culture kind of came from, right? Yeah. Kind of the roots of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is cool. I'm uh I hope this does well because it's like if we didn't know IMDb TV was a thing did, are people watching IMDb TV? I just found out it was a thing today so hard right. to say. You know so it's like hopefully this isn't a case of like goes there does one season and then they're like well no one watched it so like I, I kind of would have preferred this if it was Prime. Yeah me too. But I know maybe this is maybe not big enough for Prime. They pitched this and they were like, eh, maybe they were like, people maybe don't want this, so put it on this. Yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah. And then it looks like Master and Nun uh, coming back. And I'm excited for this. I thought this was a brilliant Netflix show. And it had been like several years since they did a season. So I thought the show was absolutely dead. So finding out that they're going to do another season is absolutely joyful to me. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've never watched it. So I, yeah, I never checked this one out. So it's, I thought it was really good because it's, it's like one of those shows that kind of like showcases like it's funny and stuff, but it kind of showcases you like what everyday normal people are going through. Oh, okay. Cause like the whole premise is disease is like trying to get into like comedy and acting and stuff like that in New York, but like hasn't had any success yet. Right. So the show kind of centers around his character, just, you know, fumbling his way through life and, you know, what it's like to go on dates and the era of like texting and Tinder and how you meet people and all that other kind of stuff. So it's like it draws lots and lots of parallels to the way the world is right now. And like that's what made it so refreshing and joyful because you could watch an episode and be like, you know, he's going through something and you're like, I I can relate to that because I've gone through that myself. Right. It's not like, like... It's, it's it's very much grounded in reality. OK, I can see that. It's always refreshing when they do that because it's like most people can't relate to the like horseshit rich people problems on Riverdale, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, good for this show. I mean, it's seems weird that it's coming back this late. Yeah, that's like that's why, like I said, like I thought for sure the show was dead and it was disappointing because I quite enjoyed it so. Yeah, it's saying like four years after the last episodes. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. It's been a long time. So, I mean, people have probably, most people have probably forgotten about it, you know, unless you're a diehard fan, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird, weird that it's that long of a break, but I don't know. He also writes and directs it too, doesn't he? So uh, He does, yeah. So maybe it was just a case of he didn't have an idea for, for a new season or something. And now he does. That could be it too, yeah. Either way, just super happy it's coming back. Yeah. 
Then what is this Mr. Bean animated movie? Yeah. Which, came across that randomly. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. Me neither. Like, when I think of Mr. Bean, I think of the old classic ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, and like, I, I guess Mr. Bean never really talks, so. Yeah. Which, apparently he doesn't like playing the character. Reading this, he was like, I actually really don't like it, so. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah. I guess they're probably like, we want some more fucking bean money, and if Rowan doesn't want to be involved, then we'll just make it a cartoon, because we don't need him. Yeah, yeah pretty much, because, yeah, he doesn't speak, so. Maybe that's what happened with this? They were like, hey, we want to make more, and he was like, nah, I'm good. You know, like, at the time when Mr. Bean was out, I like, I thought it was funny, and I enjoyed it, but I was you know, a different era in time. And, you know, I was younger and stuff. I don't know if that kind of. It holds up. Yeah. I don't know if it will, especially cause like now, like people are constantly pushing the envelope in terms of comedy and comedy shows and stuff. So it's, I'm, I don't know. I'm genuinely curious to see how this one, how it holds up over the years. Yeah, me too. And it's, yeah. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious if people are still into Mr. Bean. Because, like, I look back, you know, what I think of comedy that still holds up. You know, it's like that, you know, I think the Monty Python stuff still holds up and stuff like that, right? But. Well, and the other thing I would, I, and like, I, this is just my assumption. I don't have anything to back up my um, thoughts or opinion on this one, but like, the people who enjoyed watching Mr. Bean, I feel like the people who would still enjoy watching Mr. Bean are definitely older now, and I feel like it would be a harder sell to get them to go to a cartoon. Yeah. Right? Like, the older generations typically don't care for cartoons, even if they're funny, right? Yeah. So maybe the goal is, like, to market this towards kids and get a whole new generation into Mr. Bean, the younger generation that didn't grow up with Mr. Bean. Yeah. You know, and if that's the case... You know, does that style of comedy hold up, you know, for that newer generation? You know, maybe, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. I think it's a tough sell, but they obviously think that there's there's an audience for it. So, yeah. And I mean, like. Making an animated movie is probably a, a fairly not low cost, but like lower than a live action movie. So, I mean, there's little downside to making it to see if it works right yeah yeah i i didn't think we'd get new mr bean stuff and i definitely didn't think it would be this no it definitely came out of left field for me as well yeah because i thought that was kind of done and gone but yeah interesting nonetheless but it's not it's not even on my radar in terms of things that i'll be watching for no no yeah. That's, I think, all our news for the week. Yeah, I think that about does it. I watched some stuff. Yeah, way more than I did. I, uh, picked out that run movie with, uh, Sarah Paulson. Yeah, it's on my list. I wanted to watch it the other day, but, uh, Lindsay was, it didn't really catch Lindsay's attention, so we opted to watch something else. Fair enough. It was, uh, it was good. Was it? Yeah, it was, uh, like a really good suspenseful kind of thriller, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, kind of had like a Hitchcock feel to it. Like very kind of tight knit. Takes place in like three different locations, probably, you know, and the bulk of it is in this house. Yeah. You know, and it's these two characters kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like it was totally solid. Like, uh, they did a really good job of making you like relate to the character that's trying to escape, right? Like the daughter, um, she just goes through the ringer, right? So it's like, you're watching it and you're just like, yeah, like they do a good job of making you feel like, like rooting for kind of thing. Yeah. Or like 
you're watching the TV and you're like, yeah, you go. Like, yeah. But they did a really good job with that. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I, I definitely do want to check it out. I am a big fan of Sarah Olsen. Yeah. She's, uh, she was really good. She plays, uh, a really good bad guy. Kind of like crazy mother kind of person. Yeah. She played that pretty well. But yeah, it was, it was solid. A nice little, like, I think it's like an hour and a half or something like that. Kind of suspenseful horror thriller kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you're into those, it's totally would, solid. I am. That's my yeah. bread and butter. Like, yeah. I think you'll like it. I, I have a feeling I will, too. It's just a matter of when I can get a moment to sit down and watch it. Yeah. No, it's solid. It's, uh, I think it's on Netflix, too, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I thought it was a Hulu show, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Can't remember. But, yeah, it was good. One of those, and one of those done really well. So, yeah. If you're into those, check it out. It's totally worth it. I have a soul. It was good. That's it was... one that, like, I don't want to watch it. Just because, like, I don't know. That kind of, that pixar stuff has never really been my thing. And the story didn't really captivate me enough to want to watch it. But then I found out that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the entire score. And that piqued my interest. Yeah. It uh, it was good. Like, I, I, I'm a Pixar fan. So, I watch most of them. Um, and yeah, it was good. It, uh, it went in some places that I totally didn't think it would go. Like, I got partway through that movie and was like, oh, this is what this movie is? And was like, okay. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was all right. Like it wasn't, I don't think it's up there in the greatest Pixar movies, but it's good. Like it's, uh, Jamie Foxx does well voicing the main character. I was really interested in watching it cause I love jazz and there wasn't as much jazz as I wanted there to be which was kind of a bummer, but interesting. Cause I was one of the, I don't care for jazz. And that was one of the reasons that I kind of like that at like another reason on the list of things that made it not high up in my consideration list. Yeah. Like it, it it's got a bunch in it, but like not like when I first saw it and was like, okay, Pixar movie based on a jazz musician. I thought that would be, that there would be a lot more than what there was. And mm. maybe that's cause I just wanted more. Like, maybe there's totally enough. Like, give me more, but that could be it, too. But yeah, I mean, it's it's good. And in typical fashion, it's Pixar, so they try to tell stories that are super deep, but kid-friendly, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not bad. Like I said, I, I wouldn't put it up as kind of, you know, in the top you know 10 of pixar movies but i think it's a totally solid one all right then and then i finally finished all of the crown all of the crown is that show officially done now no i think they're making more so but you've caught up to everything that's been released yeah yeah and uh totally solid the uh last season was the Princess Diana stuff, which is what I was most excited for. And uh, that stuff was really good, except it ended where... It didn't end where I thought it would end. You know? No. Well, I thought they would end the season because they <clears throat> jump time periods between each season, right? And I thought they were going to end the season with, like, her death. Yeah. But they don't. So she's so, still alive. Yeah. So, which makes me wonder, like, okay, is that going to be the kind of end of the next season? Because I was totally going into it thinking that that was going to be the arc. But it wasn't. But still, totally good. So that that, a, was that a pleasant surprise or no? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a pleasant surprise because like, that's what I was excited, like how they were going to tell that. Mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, if that's what they're going to do in the next season, then that makes me excited for that. But... Like, he was still good. Like, I was still satisfied with the season. Um, 
it just didn't end where I thought it would, which I don't know if I liked where it ended, but nonetheless, you know, the the cast that they have was pretty good. Person they cast as Princess Diana, I thought did a really good job of kind of portraying her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's it's totally solid if you're into that, which you totally aren't. But yeah, no, not my uh, cup of tea at all. But to but each if, their own. But like, if you like The Crown, it's more of that, right? You know, I don't think it's their greatest season, but totally good, totally solid. Okay, pretty much all I watched. And I didn't, uh, I actually didn't watch a whole lot either. Uh, the majority of my week was spent getting my 3D printer up and running, so. Oh, fun. I got a couple episodes in of uh, History of Swear Words. Oh, yes, how was that? It's, it's actually, oh, it's actually really good and really fascinating. Like, it just, I mean, I don't know if you saw the trailer on Netflix yet. hmm It's Nick Cage hosts it. Yeah, and that's what piqued my interest. That's what piqued my interest too. I was like, Nick Cage. Okay, yeah, no, I can. Uh, I'll get behind this. I'll have. I'll have a peekaboo. And I honestly like went in not expecting a whole lot, but it's actually like really fascinating because like the like the very first episode they talk about the word fuck. Yep. So they go into detail, like you know, it all like dating back, and they're like, hey, well, like you know, the first recorded times that we see this was you know around this era, you know, oh, from okay. this region, and a lot of people thought that fuck used to mean was an abbreviation for fornication under the crown king or something like there was I guess a rumor floating around that a lot of people believe that like that's where the word stemmed from because back in the old days you needed to get written consent from the king in order to like basically have sex and that's that's what fuck stood for but like it they debunk that and they're like no that's not true at all that's utter bullshit and lies and then they bring on like other um actors and other comedians to like give their take on the word fuck and to kind of like give you a little bit more history on the word okay so they actually like go into detail on like kind of where it originated from and yeah like where it is now yeah and they bring in like experts from harvard and stuff like that who are like uh i don't know experts in the field of like language and stuff like that and they kind of give you know the educational background on it and then like other people come in and talk about like the different uses for the word and like how broad ranging it can be and like they had like eliza scherzlinger that stand-up comedian she was in there talking about it for a while and um oh man what why can't i think of his name now ron swanson oh nick offerman yeah he was in there and he talks about the talks about it for a little while and then nick cage kind of like as the host you know in like introduces the next segment where they like go into more depth about this and that and yeah like it's just for a show that you're like oh this is just gonna be you know a funny show hosted by nick cage where they just use a swear word multiple times they actually like go back and tell you like this is where it came from this is the roots this is where it's used and it's still a taboo word but it has a broad range and you can use it as a noun and you can use it as a verb and it was, it, it was really interesting like i'm definitely gonna end up going through that whole season i believe yeah i think that uh that makes me want to check it out more because i think me along with probably most other people like when that show was first announced it was kind of like i was just going to be a a comedy series and Nick Cage just swears a bunch and kind of gives you, you know, some blurbage about where it originated. But hearing that they actually go in depth and get like historians and like linguists, like th- that to me is super fascinating. And yeah, it's much more fascinating than I could have thought. And then they throw up like interesting, like little facts and stuff. And like the one that blew, blew me away was at one point they <clears throat> bring up who, which celebrity has sworn the most throughout their entire film career. Oh. Okay. Mm. Who who would you think if you were to think right now a celebrity, who do you th- which celebrity do you think has sworn the most over their entire film catalog? I mean my gut is Sam Jackson, but something tells me it's not. That was everybody's gut cuz they like ask these, you know, I'm going to call them panelists, but they're just like actors and comedians who come in and like help tell stories and part of the each episode. 
So all of them, too, they asked them that question, and all of them were like, oh, Sam Jackson, obviously. It's got to be Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. So they they listed the top 10 okay. actors slash actresses. Okay. And I think Sam Jackson was number seven. What? Yeah. Okay. okay, so what are the other ones? I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but coming in at number two, Leonardo DiCaprio. Huh. Coming in at number one, Jonah Hill. Okay, I can see. I can see Jonah Hill. And apparently, oh, you know what? Wolf of Wall Street. That would be why. That's exactly what it was. They were like Jonah Hill. Like you know, he they like show his kind of catalog, and they kind of like do a panning shot of like cover art for the movies he's been in, with like a little tally underneath with how many times he swears. And it's anywhere from like five to twenty times. And then it's like what really pushed Jonah Hill over the top was the Wolf of Wall Street, where I think he swore a hundred and seven times in that movie. Yes. Okay, so that totally makes sense. Now that, like, as soon as I pieced those number two together, I was like, oh, it's Wolf of Wall Street, because some of the trivia on that is, I think they say the word fuck in that movie, like, a, like it's like 260 times or something. Yeah. So, okay, so that totally makes sense why they they have those spots. Mm-hmm. Really good movie, too. Phenomenal. Huh, okay. That makes sense. I'm still surprised Sam Jackson is so low. Yeah, so everybody was. <laughs> I was I was surprised. Like, oh wow, that's uh that's, yeah. that's really, really low. Yeah, I um I really want to check out the series now because like if they're doing stuff like that, like that just seems like a, a super good time. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, Jackson has three hundred and one. Okay. Jonah Hill has the record at three hundred and seventy six. Okay. Huh. Crazy. Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. I'm just I'm just seeing if I can yeah. So Jonah Hill was number one at three hundred and seventy six. Leonardo okay. DiCaprio was number two mm-hmm. at three sixty one. Oh, and this list came maybe I was wrong and he wasn't so low. Sam Jackson's number three. Okay. That makes sense. With three hundred and one. Adam Sandler, number four. Okay, that makes sense. Two ninety five. Al Pacino, number five, with 255. That makes sense, given all the, like, mafia movies he's done. Mm -hmm. Denzel Washington in sixth place. Huh, that one surprises me. Followed by Billy Bob Thornton in number seven. That makes sense, given his later career. Uh, Seth Rogen, number eight. Okay, yeah. Bradley Cooper, number nine, with 142. Really? And then number 10 on the list is Danny McBride at 136. Huh. Bradley Cooper is surprising on that list. Yeah, I didn't expect to see his name on there, but... I'm trying to think of a movie where you would have said it a bunch. Probably The Hangover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess. And they did three of those. Yep. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But anyway, so yeah, History of Swear Words, super, super fucking fascinating show. Yeah, I, um, I'm definitely going to check that out because I totally thought it was just kind of going to be some half-ass Nick Cage comedy. No, nope, it's, it's pretty legit. But if they actually go into this much detail, then I'm, I'm totally down for that. So that, that sold me on it. And then uh, the only other thing I watched is we watched Escape Room last night. Okay. Which was ridiculous and absurd, but kind of fun at the same time. Yeah. When when you put that in, I was like, that sounds familiar. But and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that kind of looks like a Saw movie. And that's exactly what it is. Like, for lack of a better term, is it's a Saw movie. <laughs> so is it a Saw movie in the sense of like... The kind of first Saw movies where it's like, okay, this is stupid, but still kind of a fun time. Yes. And like the difference is, is like the Saw movies were like straight about like fucking torture. Like you had to torture yourself to fucking get anywhere. Yeah. It was like torture porn. Yeah. And there's very, very graphic, very gruesome. This one, there's a lot of death in it, but it's not very like bloody or like oh i gotta look away because that's that's gnarly to see and like the whole premise is like all these people are chosen to go and do this escape room and the winner gets ten thousand dollars 
And then it turns out it's not your standard escape room that, like, you can legitimately die in these fucking rooms. Okay, yeah. So the goal is, is, like, they try to kill someone off in every one of these rooms, which they don't even technically succeed at. Like, there's a large... There's a few rooms where, like, the, like pretty much everyone gets out. Right. And when people do die, it's not, like, super gruesome or graphic or anything like that. Like, you're not seeing people, like, have their hands sawed off or anything like that. But it was just interesting because, like, I like these, like, mystery kind of thriller movies, especially ones where, like, that make you think. Yep. So, like, they enter a room and they're trying to figure things out. I'm trying to figure fucking things out, oh, too, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, that's where, like, I get the fun out of it because I'm right there with them trying to figure out, like, okay, where would I check for clues? Where would I go? Right. Oh, they found this clue. What could that mean? Hmm. Think, think, think. Okay. Yeah. And then they, like, left it fucking wide open for a sequel oh, but yeah. given how long that it's been since that movie's come out and I haven't heard anything about a sequel I don't know if it's going to happen but I would like it to because there's like you're watching the whole movie and you think it's just about this fucking escape room and then you get to the end and you're like okay well now I kind of understand the theory behind the escape room and why they're doing it and then you like the movie you would think it's about to end there but it actually carries on for like another 10 minutes and you kind of learn like this is kind of like a global thing. Oh. And there's like multiple death deadly fucking rooms across the world. Oh. And it's more or less like I don't feel like this is necessarily going to ruin anything for anyone, but it's for people's entertainment viewing. Okay. So like there's like super elite rich celebrities that like pay a boatload of money to tune into these live feeds and watch people get out of these escape rooms. So then you get to the end and you're kind of like, okay, well, you didn't find out who has started all this, you know, the bad guy or the bad group, whatever they are, who started this escape room. Like, you don't know who they are, where they are. They never get caught. It's just like the main character, you know, survives. Right. But then it's like the end of the movie comes and they're like, okay, so this is what I figured out. I feel like the main building, you know, the headquarters of all this, like, sick and perverted torture porn bullshit is here and I'm going to go find out what the fuck is going on. Who I'm going to get to the bottom of who these people are and why they're doing this and da 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 da. Right. And that's kind of where it ends. Okay. Hmm. Was it uh, Blumhouse? Did it? I don't think it was Blumhouse. Because and that, that might be why it maybe never gets a sequel. I bet if it was done by them I'd have a few more lined up. That's like their bread and butter rate is mid-budget horror movies. I hope it gets a sequel, honestly, because like it was it was enjoyable. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a top-notch horror movie. It wasn't the best thriller or suspense I've seen, but like it was kind of fun and it was that like nice level of like it, there wasn't like a ton of jump scares or anything, but like you know, you relate to the characters, like you feel the, the real present and immediate danger, and you're kind of like you know, sitting on your couch going, okay, no, check over here. You should do this because, you, yeah. you know, you want them to make it out of this room and on to the next. Yeah. So, so kind of like a totally serviceable one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was decent. Like, again, like, not putting this in the top 10 of any of my movies list, but, like, it's not something that I walked away from going, well, that was fucking stupid. I wish I didn't see that. Yeah. And again, if you like those movies that make you think, it's it's like a different level of thinking. It's not like your typical, you know, you're the th third party looking into like some sort of deep psychological thing and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Not like Gone Girl or right. Gone Baby Gone where you're trying to solve this like mystery as like the detectives are kind of going through it. You're, you're trying to figure out what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's more like I would say, for lack of a better term, you're more actively involved because they go into this room and they're looking around for clues, and you're looking around for clues. And then they find a clue, and they read it out, and they're trying to fucking, you know, piece it together in their head, and you're trying to piece it together in your head, right? Like, it's it's a little bit more involved, I feel like. At least I did. I, I felt more involved than, than most uh, right. mystery suspense movies. True. Hmm. I might actually check that out. Seems like a great Friday night movie. Man, it's on Netflix, and yeah, it was it was fun. Hmm. 
Well, there you go. When mm-hmm. that was first on the list, I was expecting you to just like shit all over this movie because I was like, oh, an escape room movie that probably can't be that good. No. And when I heard like, because I heard, I remember when this came to theaters and I was like, it, that sounds stupid. Yeah. That was my thought when it like, because I remember when it first came to theaters is like, I'm not going to watch that bullshit. Yeah, no. But as far as uh, something that's already included in your Netflix subscription, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. Honestly, in hindsight, I probably would have enjoyed it in the theater, too. Yeah. Just something that I never gave a second thought to or a real shot at. And yeah, here we are. All right, then. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's uh, all I've uh, purged through this week. Yeah, that's all I've watched, too. I've been keeping up on the stand every week, but. I'm sure yeah, we'll... I've got like a massive list on the go now of like shows and movies that I need to check out and watch. Yeah. See, I'm like I'm the opposite now where like I'm trying to find stuff to watch because I think I've finally caught up on a lot of my backlog. So it's yeah. like, OK, it's like, what am I going to check out next? And it was like, all right, I'll binge through the crown. And then it's the stand has been like a good weekly show that I'm still digging. And I'm we'll probably go in depth on it when you start watching it. But and then and there's another show I was going to check out. Oh, Your Honor. And it's a Brian Cranston show. That I kind of am kind of curious about. What's that? Some kind of judge lawyer thing? Kind of. He's like a a high profile judge. And his son, uh, I believe, is driving drunk and hits someone. And he covered, like, he covers it up as a judge. And I think it's based around that. So, And that's a series? Yeah. How long do you drag that premise out for? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a limited series, so maybe it's just one season, that would be my guess. But. Have, have you noticed that it seems like the new fucking trend right now is just limited series? Yeah, which, on one hand, I'm alright with, because if you're just telling me, like, hey, here's going to be nine episodes of a show, then I don't have to worry about, like, oh, is this going to get a sequel, you know, because they left it off or whatever, you know, like... On that hand, I like it, because then it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting, right? But well, I just find it interesting, because, like, I mean, you know, historically, people shoot for long-running shows, so you can get those season numbers up, you can get the big paydays, and then eventually go into syndication, yeah. you know, a la The Office and Friends and Seinfeld, and just print money for the rest of forever. Yeah, pretty much. But, like... There's just some shows like that Brian Cranston when you're describing where it's like, okay, just the premise that you described, I could see that as a limited series because like that seems like one main story arc and I wouldn't want that dragged out over, you know, five fucking seasons. Like that yeah. seems like something that could be resolved in one, maybe two if you had to, but I wouldn't push it for than that. Otherwise, beyond that, you're reaching, right? Like to me, reminiscent of like the Big Bang Theory, how like I actually really enjoyed that show at the beginning, but then as time went on, they just wanted to get more episodes, so the stories became more convoluted, the arcs were less appealing, and then there was just too much going on in an episode. So I'm I'm actually all for this limited series where it's like, we're just going to go in and we're going to go in hard, and you'll get your resolution in one season, and then we'll be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think there's still room for, you know, like a four or five, you know, season oh, abso- thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying that everything should just be a straight-up limited series. No. But yeah, like I'm the same way, like I like, and I think, you know, what happened is you started to see limited series do really good, right? You know? Well, I feel, I feel like you can go after a more specific, um, like plot or synopsis, right? Like, like you look at something like, um, the big bang theory, right? Where the plot is, it's an open-ended generic plot. It's like four nerds live together and navigate through life. Like that's open-ended. You could just create and build stories upon stories upon stories. But then you look at something like Chernobyl, right? Like that's not an open-ended plot. It's like, this is about the Chernobyl disaster, how it happened, what happened during it and the aftermath. Yeah. Right. Like, so you can't drag that out over five seasons because it's, it's a short form story arc, right? Like it's cut and dry. Like this is the plot. So we're going to have a start point and we're going to end it. Like a film, 
but with more time dedicated dedicated to telling the story. Yeah. And I honestly think this started this trend. I think you could probably say this about a lot of trends now for TV is I think this the beginnings of this started with True Detective. I think so too. Because that was yeah, they still did more seasons of it, but it was anthology, so it was each season is a story, right? Mm-hmm. And it showed that you can do that really well, and you can tell really good stories over ten a- ten hours. Yeah, and it also showed that you can get big budget movie talent on the small screen and do it insanely well. And I think that was the starting point of like people going, okay, we can do you know a limited thing like Chernobyl or. The Outsider or eleven twenty two sixty three, right? You know, you can do these good limited series, and you can attract good talent to it. You know, because it's a good story, right? Yeah, and I, I, I personally, like, I like the idea of like a movie, right? Like, I think yeah. of a limited series as a film that they just give you more time to. Yeah, yeah, right. Me? So, like, like I, if you look at some of these movies, like. Like Tenet for like like Tenet for example, yeah. Like that was a good movie. Yeah. I think that would have made an amazing like eight episode limited series. Yeah, because you could have given some more fucking time, some more background, and all that stuff, but still wrapped it up, right? Like yeah, for the movies that you know guys are like, oh, I had to. It was three hours and forty five minutes, but I had to shave an hour off so that I could, you know, get a theatrical release. It's like that kind of stuff. I think should be a limited series and like not even necessarily like eight or 10. Like, I mean, I'm fine with a five run, right? Like inception too. Like if they would have done inception as like five or six, one hour episodes, yeah, I would have been all over that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious. Um, because Tarantino has always said that once he's done with movies that he wants to do TV shows. And I am really curious about that. Cause I think, Kind of exactly what you're saying. Um, for him, would work super well because he makes long ass fucking movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, I bet if you give him like, yo, make a movie, but it's fucking ten hours, you know, and one season, he would be like, okay, like, like I'm curious how some people would transition to that, right? I I think that might be like the next big frontier as far as like movies and television, like the entertainment industry. I think, I think taking these, these big ideas for a movie and instead of chopping them up and condensing them down so that you can get 90 minutes runtime for a movie theater. Like, I feel like that's very slowly be like, you're not going to get away from that. Like there's still going to be movies that like once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Like that was two or three hours. Yeah. That I don't think would play well as a limited miniseries. No, but again, there are other ones that I think would where it's like, you know, you watch the movie and you're like, well, I would have liked a little bit more. And I feel like they kind of just quickly brush past these plot points or this, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of character development for this person. I'd like to know a little bit more about them. Like those are just prime pickings for like limited series. Yeah. And I definitely feel like with some of these bigger name uh, writer directors, you know, like your Tarantino's or your. Christopher Nolan's and those guys who typically like have these grandiose plots and screenplays start slowly shifting into the world of like miniseries because then they get to do a lot more. They can include a lot more because like Tenet was almost three hours and I'm pretty sure like that was after like a good hour and like I thought I read somewhere that they had to they cut down like an hour and a bit and they were still just under three hours. Yeah. So like that would be a an amazing miniseries. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I hope uh Yeah, I hope more kind of big name people do it. Um I'm trying to think uh the guy who did Mindhunter and the Facebook movie, why can't I think of his name? Venture? Yes. You know, especially cuz like he's starting to do that with like Netflix and stuff. Mhm. I hope more people like him you know do it my what i would love is if scorsese did something with netflix 
like some sort of a limited series for them. I think that would be amazing. And maybe something like that's, you know, in the cards still. Yeah, because I mean, that's where he's kind of making his movies now, is with mm-hmm. Netflix, so. Yeah. Yeah, I hope we get more of it. And I think we will, too. Like well, you said, I think it's people are realizing that there's a there's a good audience there and there's a if you do it right, you can tell really good stories over that long of time, right? Mm-hmm. And I I think we're heading there, especially with some of the bigger IPAs. Like just look at Disney Plus, right? Like there's yeah. so much going on in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, like, yeah, we could keep making these fucking two to three hour movies. <laughs> Here, let's throw this into a series. Yeah. Same with like WandaVision is getting like praise right now for being like original and unique and very entertaining. And like that's, you know, typically Marvel is big Marvel movies, right? Yeah. And I think that WandaVision one, I think that's a limited. Like I think they're just doing the one season. If I... mm-hmm. Yeah. Hip you up. Yeah. Interesting times. Very. But that's about all I've got right now. That's all I've got, too. Well, then, uh, perhaps we just wrap her up one more time. Sounds good. I'll catch you on the next one. Later.